Wow, it's really nerve-wracking to be up here. I, I didn't know about the room change, so when I first heard that, I was like, what the... But <laughs> it's a little weird, but okay. Before I start, uh, I want us to prepare our hearts in prayers. So let's bow our heads together, and I want to ask everyone to really check your heart and ready your heart, just asking God to speak to us and give us that humble heart to receive and to respond. Uh, so I'm not the best speaker in the world. I'm a new preacher. I'm still learning, and I'm not fully ready, but I know that God will use me anyways. So I pray. Uh, as I pray, I just want everyone to really prepare your heart, prepare the soil to receive, and the seed will grow. So let's really check up our hearts in prayers quietly, just seeking the Lord. Oh, dear loving Lord, Jesus Christ, may your name be glorified through this time. We just fix our eyes upon you, Lord God, upon your beauty, upon your presence. And Jesus, we just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit, which is right at this moment with us in this sanctuary, O oh Father. I just ask Holy Spirit, um, just you, just to work in our hearts, touch every single person's heart, oh Father God. And I know that you are the God of perfect timing. And I know that you prepared the perfect message for these people who gathered here. And Lord God, with humble heart, we ask you to speak to us today. Father God, I just pray that you release your grace, release your mercy, O oh Father, release your wisdom and revelation, O oh Father, so we may be able to understand your word and apply that to our lives, O oh Father God. And may our lives be transformed, and may Jesus Christ receive all the glory through that all. And Jesus, we love you so much. We just fix our eyes upon you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me begin. The appearance of Jesus Christ that I pictured in my mind was quite many. Jesus was a strong man. Because he was a carpenter before he began his public ministry. And Jesus was not girly at all, I learned. As you can tell by the manner of speech, he was pretty choleric. He's a strong guy. And he was not a wimp either. Uh, if you remember the day he got really upset at the temple and he turned over all the tables, remember that day? Jesus is a strong man. Wide shoulders, tanned skin, <laughs> and probably some muscles, right? <laughs> and visualizing Jesus in this passage that we are going to look at tonight adds more wonder to that passage. Did he really do that? Wow. Did the strong man Jesus really do this? And let's turn to John chapter 11, the famous passage. John chapter 11. And the verse we're going to look at closely tonight is chapter 11, verse 35. Very famous verse. Chapter 11, verse 35. This is the shortest verse in the Bible, so you should memorize it. <laughs> I hope you have it already in your mind. Jesus 
wept. Okay, that's the verse that we are going to look at tonight. Okay, is everyone there? John chapter 11. Who doesn't know the story of death of Nazareth? Who doesn't know the story? Like any, any. Okay, okay. We have a one sister who doesn't know the story fully. So why won't we turn there and read it together? This is pretty long passage, but it's worth reading. So from verse, um, from verse one to, to 44. Okay. Let's read it together. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Okay. One, two, three. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going to there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this word. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he was fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has spoken of this death. But they thought that was meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. For that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to consult them concerning their brother. So then Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. And Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, should live. And everyone who lives and believed in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, 
but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And Jesus told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an order, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with the clothes. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Amen. Wow. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thank you, guys. We are going to look at this verse. Jesus wept. And first of all, I want to recognize the significance of this incident. You know, if someone says, Myung-ho wept, it's not going to impress anybody because that happens pretty often, right? <laughs> However, when it comes to a grown man, a strong guy, when he wept, wept, that's a serious thing. Then what about the Son of God weeping for a mere human being? Now, we have to take it seriously. And what happened to Jesus? What made Jesus weep? Let's see what happened to Jesus through the accounts of John. Uh, verse 1 through 3, I will read it again. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And verse 5 also affirms that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. However, his following action didn't seem to match his loving heart. Verse 6, it said that, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, instead of running to Lazarus' village. And let us skip some verses and go to verse eight, 17. And when Jesus came to Bethany, finally, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Isn't it too late? Four days. When Jesus finally came to the village, 
Martha came to meet Jesus, and they had some sort of conversation with Jesus. And she went back and called her sister Mary. And verse 36, it says, Wow, how Jesus loved Lazarus. Something like that. <laughs> and the Jews who were watching Jesus weeping, they said that. Wow, how Jesus loved him. But then this verse easily tricks us to just conclude that Jesus wept simply because he loved Lazarus so much. But if you really read carefully what Jesus had done and what Jesus had spoken earlier in this chapter, you will see that it doesn't really flow smoothly at all. Let's trace back a little bit. As I said, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And he stayed two days longer in the place. And verse 11, Jesus said to the disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And 14.15, it's more puzzling to the disciples. Um, he said that again. Jesus told them plainly, plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. It's strange. Bible tells us that he said that plainly that Lazarus was dead. Isn't it surprising to you? Jesus knew that he would raise him up again. And he was so resolved to do it. He knew that he would do it. So that death of Lazarus was actually nothing surprising or shocking to him. Nothing to be sorrowful in Jesus' perspective. Also, he knew that the great purpose and plan is behind the sin. So he knew what was happening in God's eyes. So he said that he was glad that he was not there when Lazarus was sick. Should we still say that Jesus wept? Because he loved Lazarus so much. And because Jesus missed him so bad. Oh, my beloved Lazarus is now dead. <laughs> Lazarus. <laughs> Surprise! He's back. Is it God is doing? Is it Jesus doing at this moment? I do not think so. I think it sounds too goofy for Jesus. Then, what made Jesus weep? In the scene, Jesus is watching right now. There were Mary and other Jews. And verse 19 tells us that many of the Jews came over to Martha and Mary's house to console them concerning the death of his, their brother. And also, verse 31, it's recorded that when the Jews who were with her Mary in the house, consoled, consoling her. So Mary rises quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And finally, in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping together, that was the scene Jesus was watching at that moment. Can you imagine the scene? Mary and other folks weeping over the death of the brother. And personally for me, uh, if I go to a funeral or somebody's death, what makes me cry is not so much of the person, 
who just died, but those who are left behind, the moms crying, the siblings crying, that breaks my heart. And a death of the beloved one is proven to be the number one stress-causing event of one's life that can ever happen. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it causes a lot of massive amount of stress and agony. And in that difficult situation, it is the mournful Christ of the living that penetrates the hearts of the people. It makes us sympathize. It makes us sad. And this irre- irreversible separation with the loved one is really, really painful. And Jesus was a man full of compassion. And Bible said that Jesus wept because he was deeply moved in his spirit. And Jesus standing there, watching his people bitterly weeping in deep sorrow of losing a brother. The absolute despair and separation, Jesus just had to weep with them. He couldn't help it. And there is a part we should take note of. In verse 33, he not only was deeply moved in his spirit, but it was said he was greatly troubled. He was greatly troubled. Why was he troubled? And when Jesus was shedding his tears, what would be passing through Jesus' mind? Why don't we try imagining Jesus' mind? And brothers and sisters, Jesus had more than enough reasons to weep there. He had more than enough reasons because Jesus was in a situation that's very relatable to that. And Lazarus' death, it happened toward the end of Jesus' ministry. He had the three years of public ministry, and this incident happened toward the end of his ministry, which means just a while before his own death. He was expecting for himself to die soon. And Jesus knew that he would die on the cross in a very near future. Yes, Jesus is God himself, yet remember, he was 100% man. And he had mom and dad and four brothers and many other sisters, according to Matthew 13. He had a family. He grew up just like us and just like Lazarus' family. And Jesus must have had some sort of friends, some neighbors, maybe fellow carpenters, I don't know, co-workers. (laughs) He must have some sort of people around him, just like we do. Witnessing the death of another man and the cries of the people left behind, what would Jesus be reminded of? What would be thinking at that moment? His mother Mary? A dear brother and disciple James? Other brothers and sisters? Didn't Jesus love them? How do you think so? And the faces of his own family who will be soon separated from Jesus himself, probably overlapped with the faces of those who were weeping for the death of Lazarus. And some of you might be wondering right now, but Jesus also knew that he would resurrect after three days. Why would he, why would he be sad or sorrowful? Granted, but his tears has so much more depth than temporary separation from his family. 
and none of us can ever fathom the great depths of it, since no one can ever experience the absolute separation that Jesus experienced on the cross, the separation from the Father in heaven. He was greatly troubled because he knew that he will be absolutely taken away from the goodness and the love of God. When Jesus was hung on the cross, he took all the sins of the world. How far do you think it will take him from God's presence who hates the sin? How far? Can you imagine all the sins of the world? How far away from God? And Jesus, just facing the death of Lazarus, knew that he would be cut off from the deepest, the eternal intimacy with God, the Father. And he was about to be sent to the bottom of the hell, which is full of wrath of God. Just try to imagine that, from the crazy oneness with God to the absolute separation from his presence. From the very source of life to the den of death. So knowing that he would have to face the reality soon, how could Jesus possibly hold the tears? Jesus wept, deeply moved in his spirit, and greatly troubled. And what Jesus endured on the cross was more than physical pain. It was more than shame. What we had to go through in spiritual reign was much more cruel. It was much more severe. And he cried out in a loud voice with his last breath. He said to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus' last cry in his agony and despair. But he still holds on to this father calling him, my God, my God, who is about to send him to the depth of the hell. He calls him, my God, my God. He still remembers the intimacy that he had with the Father for eternity, from the very beginning, way before the creation. He still remembers that intimacy that he had with the Father. And the perfect fellowship within the Trinity had to be taken away from Jesus Christ. Can you guys imagine God forsaking you? God sending you to somewhere you cannot reach him ever again. And he was alone on the cross. And because he went through the crazy painful separation from God, his children will have the eternal fellowship with him. There's only unstoppable joy and deep intimacy and unending love of God. Because he took the separation for us. You all have the Holy Spirit, right? Do you have Holy Spirit? <laughs> Yes, we all have Holy Spirit in our hearts. And He's with us. Our counselor, our helper, who is there 24-7 with us forever. And do you ever, have you ever taken it for granted? I have. But brothers and sisters, let's not take Holy Spirit for granted, ever. It was costly 
Jesus had to pay the full cost. He had to pay the full price. And the separation from the triune relationship was not cheap. And through Holy Spirit's presence with us, the inseparable relationship with God, it's sealed. It's guaranteed. And he is with us right at this moment. So now I am saved and I got the everlasting fellowship with Holy Spirit. And I looked around and I saw a bunch of people who got the same thing. Oh, do you have eternity with God? Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. (laughs) Are you on your way to heaven? Yeah. You have the same destination. Why don't we walk together? We gather here like that. And God called this group of people who are gathered under the name of Jesus Christ, the church, the family, and the body. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And therefore, there is an everlasting fellowship among the saints, us, not only in heaven after the earthly death, but even right now, we are enjoying that moment. And when I die, don't be too sad or don't be too happy because you're going to see me again in heaven anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, we have the eternity. We have that everlasting life all together. You will see me again. <laughs> because Jesus took the separation and the family of God We cannot be separated by death. We cannot. We truly belong to one another forever. And recently, I was preparing this message, and this week I was looking through uh, my photo albums on Facebook and my Word. I was looking through the pictures of JSCM for now New Philly. And I ran into some old JSCM retreat pictures, like from 2005, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And a good majority of the people were new each year. That really surprised me. And people keep on changing at this church. So a bunch of people came and left. They are coming and leaving. And they will come and they will leave. And if you compare the pictures from 2005, uh, which was the year that I came in, and 2009, you will barely find a like, few people who are in the both pictures, like Brian Wee, like Mi Jung Ni, <laughs> myself, just a handful of people, that's it. But what amazed me was not that, but the fact that even though there were a lot of changes, but at JCM, now New Philly, what amazed me was this, this church has been always a loving family for me. No matter who I have, doesn't matter. It's been always a loving family and full of awesome people in any time of my memory. Yeah, always. It's been the loving family for me. And yeah, even right now, I see you guys. A lot of, a lot of you are new. I just met you or I don't really know you well, but this is my family right now. And I'm really grateful for this family, even for the guests, because we are the one family in God. Amen. Yes. So no matter how far you move away, or no matter how far you are right now, if you're listening to podcasts, we truly 
belong to one another in Christ. We cannot be separated by anything, not even by death. And I would like to give you some exhortations tonight because I was here, I've been here for more than four and a half years, and I learned some stuff through that painful experience of sending people out and meeting new people over and over again. Okay? The first thing that I want to tell you is simple. Love your brothers and sisters that you have right now. And you will see them not only here on earth, but as I said, but in heaven for eternity. We will see each other forever. Why don't we turn to our neighbors and tell them, I love you forever, but I have no choice. (laughs) Why don't we tell them? Do it. I love you forever, but I have no choice. Yes, I have no choice. (laughs) Okay, bless you, Nirani. Okay. (laughs) Yes, we have no choice. We just have to face each other forever. Brothers and sisters, do you see God's wisdom in his commandments? The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And the second was love your neighbors, love your family, love your brothers and sisters. For this, I don't need another explanation. Love your brothers and sisters that you have right now. And my second thing is this. Be open to the new relationships. In other words, have more expectations for new relationships that God is forming in your life right now. And people tend to stay in the comfort zone, in their cliques, in their own groups, once they are settled in the community. And they just tend to forget about the days when they were new in the community. And I was like that too. And what can I get from them? You know, it's awkward to talk to newcomers. I don't think we can get along with each other that well. And we're just too different. She's native Korean. He's not good looking. Whatever reason. <laughs> don't give in to these lies, please. And let me tell you a couple of stories. <laughs> let me tell you a couple of stories. It's my own story. I met this girl in 2005. And the first week of the first semester at Ihua, I went to Ihua Women's University, and I met this girl. This girl asked for my phone number, cell phone number, and I simply rejected. Yes. Sorry, I cannot give it to you. That's what I said. My heart was close to the strangers and had no expectations for this girl, for this new relationship to grow in any way. I didn't see any potential. She was a little weird. And do you know who the rejected poor girl is? Her name is Ju Hyun <laughs> who is one of my best friends and my awesome partner in ministry. Do you see that? <laughs> and there's another sister. She's an Anni. She's a bit older than me. And for three and a half years, we barely greeted or talked to each other. We just never did. In my mind, I thought, she just disliked me, and she was a little scary, and she thought that I'm the type of girl that she wouldn't get along with that well. So we never talked. The fourth year came, and then we became like a family. She is my sister, and I call her Seoul Amma, which is a mom in Seoul. By the way, my mom, my real mom is in Busan. I call her Seoul Amma. Her name is 
미정 언니. Yes, 미정 song. Who takes care of this poor intern pastor all the time and who always feeds me. Thank you, 언니. Do you have no expectation on the new relationships? Please don't miss that out. You never know. Be open-minded to everyone. Have some expectations and love on them. And just come out to Sunday Night Live and talk to some newcomers after service. (laughs) And let's stay open. Let's welcome them. Who knows? There could be your future best friend or there could be your future husband or wife. Who knows? Only God knows. Stay open, guys. My third exhortation to you guys tonight is this. Invite others to this family. Invite them to Jesus, who will take away the separation between them and God. Invite them in. Reach out to school friends, even your students, co-workers. Tell them about awesome family that you have here. The awesome family that you find in Korea. Bring them in and let them, let, let me tell you my story again. Okay. And I was saved in my first year of college. And after a couple months, after a couple months in my first semester, and before I was atheist, I never believed in God. I was never interested. And I, yeah, I just didn't know. And I wake, when I came to college, I actually moved to Seoul by myself. I lived in Busan the whole 20 years of my life, and then I moved. God kind of pulled me out of my family, and I was placed here alone. And then when I came to college, one of my professors, he went to Harvard. He's a smart man. He's a strong Christian. And he actually invited me to JSCM, to this church. And I came here for the first time, 2005, April, and... Yeah, it's kind of funny because we just sang the song Majesty, right? That song we sang that day. So I walked into the sanctuary. It was my first time ever stepping into the church. And I never saw people worshiping God. So I stood there listening to the lyrics and music. And my English wasn't that good. As I was standing there, I saw a lady in front of me raising her hand like this. And I thought she had something to tell the person on the stage. But nobody responded. <laughs> and another gentleman there raised his hand, even both hands. And I was so confused. I thought these people were simply crazy. But they were actually worshiping the Lord. Now I know. <laughs> that poor girl, terrified by these people, English-speaking people. Oh, <laughs> I was terrified. And I thought I would never come back. Who would ever imagine that girl who came for the first time to church would be standing here preaching the word of God four and a half years later. Hallelujah. Who would have imagined? Yes, I have the story. Invite your people. Invite them in. Even though they don't know, they don't understand, it's okay. Bring them in. God's going to do something mighty in their lives. Another story. When I came to college, I lived in the dorm, and I had a roommate at dorm. It was just random. And surprisingly, she also got converted. She got saved uh, when she was in high school, second year. And she really reached out to me. She answered all my 
like ridiculous questions and she prayed for me. She really cared for me. She really reached out to me. And then it was my 19th birthday, May 2005. And I came back to my room and then I saw the balloons over the room doors. And I saw the chocolate pie cake <laughs> with the candles burning. <laughs> and then she was waiting for me with the gospel track in her hand. <laughs> she was so ready to sing and then share the gospel with me. And she did. <laughs> so she sent me down. She sang for me, happy birthday to you. And she shared gospel with me. And she led me to Christ on the spot. And I received him as my savior. Yes, as my king on my birthday. I was born again. And I became her sister. Oh, she's right here. Oh, she came to listen to my sermon today. Oh, oh my goodness. She's, by the way, known as my yobo. Which is honey. Yeah. <laughs> she's my uh, yobo. <laughs> and a lot of new Philly people know her too. Uh, thank you, Yopo. <laughs> yeah. So reach out to your people, to your students, to your neighbors, to your non-believing friends. You never know what will happen. Invite them in. Let's really welcome them into this awesome family that we have. We cannot be selfish about it. <laughs> Okay, now, let's go back to the story of Lazarus. <laughs> let's go back to the story. And since we read it already, um, yeah, the verse 38 to 44, this is the conversation of Jesus and Martha. Yes, and they are standing before the cave uh, where Lazarus was buried. And then, yeah, here, Lazarus came back to life. Jesus resurrected him. And Lazarus was resurrected. Whew. Guys, the cave blocked with the stone. Thank you. Good family. <laughs> uh, the cave blocked with the stone. The body not decayed. Hands and feet and brow with scars bleeding. Does it remind you of something or someone? Behind the scene, we see the foreshadowing of another man's resurrection. He who became sin for his children, who was taken away from the presence of God all the way, and who was risen again victoriously. His name was Jesus Christ. John eleven twenty five twenty six. Jesus said, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? God's family, do we believe this? Do we believe that there will be resurrection of the body at the last day and eternal fellowship with the triune God? Do you believe that? Do we believe that the church will continue to enjoy our familyship together in kingdom of God? Do you really believe that? And I would just want to end my message with thanksgiving. I just give thanks to Jesus 
with the beginning and the end of this family, and in whom all things hold together, and this family as well. And I thank every single member of this family who will share eternally with me. You guys have no choice. <laughs> I love you forever, for I have no choice. Right? And I want to thank all the people that I met through this church, through conferences, mission trips, all the native partners. I cannot name them all, but all the family members that I have in this universe, in this world, so, so many of them. Even though I'm so selfish and I don't greet them every day, I do not take care of them, I do not talk to them every day, but I just know that there's the family that will share the eternity with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and with me together. And are we, are we really thankful for that? Are we really thankful for that? Actually, um, this sermon came out from a brother named Justin Song. He's a newcomer, a fairly newcomer. He came here like a month, couple months ago. And then randomly after Sunday night live, I got to talk to him on our way, on our way back home. It was just a few minutes and then I, I got to talk to him, and he's leaving this Sunday for the States, and he doesn't know if he's going to come back or not. And I was just talking to him. He joined for the Glorious Freedom Retreat, the Leaders Retreat, as a guest. But then I didn't really talk to him, but anyways, I got to talk to him on that Sunday, and then he was like, I was just asking him to come back. Come back, Justin. God is doing something good here. Come back. And he was like, will you remember me? Will you remember me? You will forget. No way. You will forget. We only met once, and I'm leaving this Sunday. And I was like, I remember you. Tell me your Korean name and tell me about your information. I will remember. I bet you. And then he told me that his Korean name is Song Sung-woo. His brother's name is Song Sung-hoon. And he leaves at Samsung a lot of S's. But anyways. so <laughs> And I told him that I will remember him. But then on my... Way home, I was like, God, I think I will forget eventually after, you know, <laughs> after season, after years, after month, I will forget, you know. But Lord, you remember. You remember every member of this family. Even though I forget God, even though I forgot some of the people who shared memory at JSCM in 2005, I don't know. Even though I forget, God remembers. God remembers that Justin Song's our family. He's our brother. So I just want to encourage Justin Song if you are listening. <laughs> and I won't forget because I just... Oh, he's here? Oh, my goodness. Why are you here? <laughs> okay, thank you, brother. You inspired this message. Oh, and that you are a member of this family. I really welcome you. <laughs> oh, funny. Okay. Okay. It's kind of funny. Okay, let me close in prayer. <laughs> wow. God, you're awesome. You're great, Lord. You're so good. And Jesus, just tonight, I just want to thank you, Father God, for sending your son to this earth. And he took the separation so we don't have to face that separation from you. 
And we are invited to that perfect fellowship with the Trinity God, with the God, the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, with this family everlasting, O oh God. We will rejoice in your presence forever. Father God, we know that we don't thank you enough for that. We cannot thank you enough for this family, for this great church, for this awesome people, Lord. God, I just want to thank you for every single person who came out tonight, who is listening to this message, and who was here once worshiping with us, those people who left this church. Father God, I just ask you to bless the family. Even though we forget, you never forget. You never forget your children. You never forsake us. Thank you, Jesus, for the promise that we have in your presence, O oh God, that you will never forsake us, that you will be always with us, that you will take us to eternity, to our home. Father, we cannot wait for that moment. Father, I just want to pray for my brother Justin, who happened to be here. <laughs> Father God, we just want to bless our brother Justin uh, on his journey, O oh Father God, back to the States. Oh, Father God, you be the guidance on his decisions. I don't know if it's, it's going to come back or not. But Father God, I know you will guide him and you will lead him, Father God, to your perfect will. I just pray that you bless him all the way, oh God. And Jesus, I cannot thank you enough, Lord. And I thank you for my roommate, my professor, all the brothers and sisters that I have in you, oh God. How awesome they are, you know, Lord. And Jesus, since we have no choice... Like God, let us choose to love one another. Let us just manifest the love of Jesus Christ. Let us be the vessels of Father God, of your true love, of your genuine love and everlasting love. Let us love one another with the love of Jesus Christ, Father God. And also, we want to reach out to the people who do not have this family. Father, we know how precious this family is, how much... This church means, oh God. And Lord, I just pray that you stretch out your hand to those people who is lost, oh Father God, and bring them in, oh Father, to your house, to the house of worship and prayer, to the house of joy, to the house of everlasting life, oh Father God. And Jesus, you bring those people in and let them taste and see how good your love is, oh Lord. Father God, we thank you for tonight. We will continue to worship you. We will continue to lift up your name. May the name of Jesus Christ be lifted higher and higher as we live for you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.